From the east side to the west, this is From the Land, the Cleveland Sports and More podcast. I'm your host, Jason Gerber, and tonight we are resting up on our bye week, but still talking winning in the land with the Cavs and the Browns. On the road, we talk all the balls, footballs, baseballs, and basketballs. Off the field, we preview movies and drinks as the weather cools and the holidays heat up. I am joined tonight by two of the best ever. My co-hosts, Bill Danko and Chuck Rambaldo are here. Fellas, how do you feel about my shameless decision to grab ratings by talking about Christmas on the first weekend of November? I really like it. I think they they put out the Christmas decorations uh, the day before Halloween this year. So uh, let's get on that that gravy train, buddy. Yeah, I like it. I'm all I'm all in. I'm, I'm ahead of you, man. Our Christmas tree is up. Our what? decorations have been coming up. This is a big Christmas house around here. So yeah, like yeah. everywhere I look, I'm starting to see Christmas. So I'm all for it. How many Christmas trees this year, Chuck? I think it's only going to be the one. I don't think there's room for two because we have a little like small freezer where the other tree went for breast milk. So I think that's more important <laughs> than a second tree. <laughs> On that note, maybe milk we should and get cookies, <laughs> Inappropriate. Let's start at home. In the land, our sip of wine and gold, our weekly Cavs recap. Shimmy, shimmy, yeah! The Cavs just put together another great week of hoops, starting on Wednesday night with another epic, even though it's only November, comeback overtime win over the Celtics, followed by a 24-point win over the Pistons without Garland and Mitchell. Cavs closed the week with a slow start, bad defense, and foul trouble before burying LeBron and the Lakers in a win on the West Coast. Cavs finished the week perfect again and are 7-1 and one on the season in second place in the Eastern Conference. So, fellas, scale of 1 to 5, 1 being a box of La Ville Ferme White Blanc, described as not harsh but with a rancid taste, 5 being 2019 Cabernet Sauvignon from Urban Vintner in Willoughby, Ohio. How would you rate the last week for the Cavs? It's a five. Love Willoughby. I love these Cavs. Yes. It's definitely a five. I love that the one on that scale is is basically yeah. a white white. It's a, a white blanc. Yep. <laughs> like a white white. Did you say? Blanc. Did you use the word rancid? It, rancid. Yeah. Described as not harsh, but not has harsh. a rancid taste. Yeah. Oh, oh. Yeah. Our our wine tastes like garbage. <laughs> uh, no, it is a five on that scale for sure. The I love your predictions, Gerbs. Like every week, you're just yeah. going three and zero, oh, and I'm yeah. like, no way is it going to happen. No way is it going to happen. And sure enough, they do it again, and they're they're never out of games, and it's the best. It is just the best. I think the highlight of the week was highlight of the week, man. I I I'll say the way the week started. That Celtics game, the Celtics came into town with a chip on their shoulder because of the way that they had lost in the previous week to the Cavs, and that was a good game. I mean, you the stars were showing out in that game, and it was. Clearly, it was down to the wire. It went to overtime. That game, it, it had some weird ebb and flow. I think the Cavs had a great defensive quarter in that game where we held the Celtics to under 20, but then we responded by scoring 15 in like another quarter. So it was a weird, clunky game for about three quarters. And then the fourth quarter in overtime, it was all about the stars. And we say this in, in, in the baseball season, too, and I, I guess it applies to the NBA season because it's so long. It's hard to say there's statement games so early in this season, but I feel like taking two games from the Eastern Conference champions in a matter of six days is a statement, you know, no matter when it occurs during the season. So that was my highlight for sure. Yeah, I mean, I got to go another way because Phil 
say it any better. So I'm going to say the Pistons game where your two best players yeah. <laughs> aren't playing and Grandpa Kev has an unbelievable game. It's 21 and 10. So uh, I'll I'll go there. We're, we're And not that the Pistons are great. They're not. But uh, the fact that that they can put an absolute beat down on that team without their two best players. Uh, maybe this team's a little deeper than I think. I agree with both of you guys, but I'm going another way. I'm going to the Lakers game today because the way it started where the Lakers were hitting everything, shooting like 55% from the field and the Cavs just had no response early on. And then Allen and Mobley both get in foul trouble. Last year's team loses that game every single time. Uh, and this year's team has some maturity and a whole bunch of Donovan Mitchell, and that's why they didn't lose the game today. And, and those two things kind of coming together and just kind of sticking with it, grinding it out, and then eventually getting ahead by 15 or 17 or whatever the biggest lead was today, that tells you something about that team. I think, Chuck, it kind of goes to what you're saying too. There's a lot more depth on this team than, than maybe we thought. Uh, and so that would have been my highlight. But kind of talking about that depth thing, right now they have two obvious guys, Mitchell and Garland, who can hit big shots when they need it. It may actually be more, uh, and it could definitely become more as the season progresses, and you start looking at Mobley, Allen, Love, Lavert, Dean of Downtown Wade, Jetty Osman, maybe as guys with the potential to be another person who can hit big shots at any point in the game when you need them. So right now, which other guy, meaning not Mitchell or Garland, are you most comfortable with taking a big shot? And who's the next guy that you think will develop or hope will develop into a player like that? So which guy would I hope right now would I want taking a big shot? And then which guy would I hope would develop into that guy? Which other guy? So not Mr. Yeah, yeah. Garland. Those are the obvious right, right, ones of course, that you of course. want. When you were rattling through those questions, I almost felt like I could answer each question with a different guy's name. Um, but if I'm, if I'm going to lump them together, I, I want it to be Mobley. You know, that's the guy I want that clutch shooting, you know, not that he's canning a, a, a three in rhythm or anything like that. I want that clutch mid range, that clutch shooting down low, that give and go that, that pick and roll, whatever it is. I want that to become a, a just a guaranteed thing. That's that, that the other team can't defense Mobley can be that guy. He's so young and we saw all that potential last year and he's had a weird year up to this point, but I think as he gets into rhythm, that's the guy I would love to see fill that role. Because if, if we have the backcourt that we do currently, and then a guy like Mobley to kind of balance that out, I, I don't know how other teams defend that. So who's the guy that right now you do feel comfortable with taking that shot. So taking that clutch shot. Oh man, probably Raul Neto. No, yeah. I, he had 10 right. today, didn't he? Or? He did. He did. Man, that's hard to say. I, I would want, again, it's not a comfort thing at this point. I want to say Levert, but I don't know that I'm that comfortable with that right now. I guess a comfort thing, and I would live and die if he made it or missed it, would be Kevin Love, just because that's who that guy is, right? Yeah. I guess there's, is there no parameter on the question? Because, like, if you're saying no. take that shot, it, okay. So, I mean, it could be if I'm looking at the Pistons game where they just dominated inside, it could be Allen or Mobley, you know, like if, if it's within five to seven feet of the basket, even Lopez, if he's hitting that hook shot, man, any of those guys can hit that, you know? So I, I think I'm along the lines as, as Phil is here with, with Mobley, because I think he has, he has obviously has more range than, than Allen. Uh, I'd like him to develop into that guy, uh, but who do I want to take right now? I think I'm sitting with Phil too, with love loves hit a bunch of big shots in his career for this team before the rebuild and he's he's playing great he's really efficient especially even from three if you need a three from that guy 
I'll take it. The issue is, is there are a lot of guys who potentially could be the next guy up. And that's what makes this team potentially so dangerous four or five months from now. Because I think you, you're okay, certainly, I think, with Love taking the shot now. After this week, I'm a lot more comfortable with Levert doing it. He hit a lot of big shots this week and is really starting to consistently shoot threes well, which he did not do last year. I would love to see Allen develop. I would love to have that guy who can get you that bucket under the hoop, dunk, get a foul, get a three-point play, you know, like on like some run when you're trying to make a comeback or you're trying to put a team away that gets a crowd all fired up and stuff like that. You, you'd love to have another guy like that, but th there may come a time where th there are four or five guys on this team that teams need to worry about defending, and that's when things get really exciting because I don't think that anybody is set up to do that in the NBA. All right. Toast time. Raise your glass to your favorite calf of the week. Your options. Return of the Mac. Darius Garland comes back from an eye injury. 29 points, 12 assists against the Celtics. 24 points, 7 assists against the Lakers. Next one, Jared Allen. Averaged a double-double this week. Had 23 points in the win on Friday. Next one, Donovan Mitchell. Scored all the points. The next one, J.B. Bickerstaff. I think this was a challenging week. You had a tough game against a Celtics team that wanted to avenge the loss from the week before. Then he had to figure it out without his two best players on the road Friday night. And then he kind of had to hold everything together for that first big push from the Lakers today and hold on to win that game. So I'm putting JB on the list this week. Who's getting your toast? That's a great list. I'll, I'll raise my glass this week to Darius Garland, though, because I think he hardly played in the first game of the season, that injury happened so early in that game. And there was so much excitement about getting that backcourt rolling. And then he had to sit out after losing his eyeball uh, in that first game and, and <laughs> to come back and look like he hadn't been affected at all. I mean, the dude just start cannon shots all over the place as soon as he came back. So that was great to see. I'm sure there's going to be games where they're going to have to see how the, the, the ebb and the flow goes in that game to see if if it's him and Mitchell out there at the same time or they give each other rest or whatever but that was great to see this week I I was worried that that kind of injury not only would linger but then he comes back wearing a mask or something and he's just not the same player and right out of the gate he was good old Darius Garland how in the hell did we miss a Prince Amond joke I know about Darius Garland for the last like three weeks like yeah. how come he didn't wear a patch for one of the games <laughs> yeah. how, did, how did we miss that opportunity I don't know Chuck who gets your toast Garland's an excellent choice. Exactly what Phil said. He had 14 in the first against the defending East champions. He looks like an all-star even after his eyes falling out. I'm glad you put JD in there, man. I want to start referring to him at some point as Tito too, because I think he is the perfect coach for this team. Uh, and not just this year, man, like, like a guy who inherited the debacle after I don't even remember the coach from Michigan who lasted like 10 games here. What was that dude's name? Bowling or something. Yeah. Like whatever that. it was. was man. Yeah. I totally forgot um, about that. Until you yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah, right. Like you, you forget. <laughs> I think he's done an, an excellent job in it. And you saw it on display here where uh playoff atmosphere against the Celtics, they go to overtime, they win understaffed against a crappy Pistons team and they dominate that game. And then they go out on the West coast and, and, and survive a surge in the first half from the Lakers and, and pull away. So I, uh, I don't think that guy's getting enough credit, man. Like, obviously, players play, and this team is playing really well. So, I, I guess I'm gonna, I'm gonna lay it at his feet. Like, he deserves it this week. I think he's doing a fantastic job, and he is definitely like a culture guy for that organization. And you see it in the way these guys play. 
Uh, I'm going with Jared Allen. He's still my favorite player on the Cavs, and I just love having that center who can get you 10 boards and 15 points or 16 points every single night and all the blocked shots and everything he does around the rim. I love me some Jared Allen. So looking ahead to next week, tough West Coast swing continues tomorrow night after my bedtime with a game against the Clippers. Then on Wednesday, after my bedtime against the Kings, Friday, after my bedtime against the Warriors, and then finally back home again on Sunday at a reasonable hour for a game against the Timberwolves. Now, you guys refuse to predict a perfect week for the Cavs, so I'm not going to let you do that to them again. What game next week is the most interesting? Matching up in a three-point shootout against the Warriors or the dueling double big man matchup against the Timberwolves? Man, I fucking hate the Warriors. I don't know if you guys know that. <laughs> so I'll probably be up late to watch that game. Yeah. But everybody in this league can hit a three. So I might be more interested in in two big men or four big men <laughs> dueling it out uh, towards the end of the week because it's it's rare you see that, that both these teams play bigs a lot. So maybe that's the game I'm most interested in. That's a tough four-game week, partly because it begins in a back-to-back, right? I mean, you don't leave the yeah. – you don't leave yeah. LA, but at the same time, like you got to play again tomorrow. What was the game after that? Sacramento? Is that the Kings in there somewhere? Yep. Sacramento Wednesday night. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know. I'm going to go with the, I'm going to go with the Warriors only because I think the Warrior, I mean, obviously the Warriors won the whole thing, right? <laughs> like they, they are back. <laughs> they are back. They hoisted the trophy. So I think that would be an important, again, here I am saying it's too early in the season to have statement games, but that's a statement game. Like you're playing a team that is proven and they might not be taking it all that seriously yet in the season. Cause they know how an 82 game season goes and they, all right, they know what happens in the years that they win 70 games, they lose to the Cavs. So whatever they're, they're going to make sure that they are managing minutes. But I think for a young Cavs team, if they can go into San Fran and beat that Warriors team, that would be huge. I think the Cavs will be 4-0 next week. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> You're going to be 81-1. Yeah. This is going to be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk some football. We'll talk skid marks, the brown and orange road to Shawshank, where hope is a good thing, so I am told. <laughs> Our weekly look at the Cleveland Browns. Browns on a bye this week, but the land is still rocking after a dominant, say what? Performance on Monday night in a win over in-state rival, the Cincinnati Bengals. Fellas, what do you hope carries over from Monday night's win against the Bengals into the remaining games of the season? Man, that offense. Well, I, I, that was my knee-jerk reaction, but I suppose that defense, too. I mean, they were in that backfield pressuring Joe Burrow, who cannot beat the Cleveland Browns all game long. So, not a great answer. I, I kind of uh, chose two things there, but I like the offense because it was balanced. We had a hundred, hundred yard rusher, 150 some yard receiver. It was a good balance attack. We scored a shit ton of points. I don't know though, that that gets you wins necessarily in these next three games. I think maybe the more important part of my initial answer is the defensive side. They need to pressure these quarterbacks, especially in these next, well, no, all three of these next three games, they need to, all three of these quarterbacks, they need to be in their face at least disrupt whatever the other team's plan is on offense damn near everything except special teams again uh so bring the offense that played this game and bring the defense yeah but really defense probably played their most complete and best game even if joe burrow can't beat the browns maybe what i'm hoping for what, what i really want to bring along is guys i didn't expect to play so well against the Bengals continue to play well yeah. uh, in this next stretch whether it's you know like emerson or isaiah thomas or talkie talkie like guys yeah 
who looked phenomenal in the, against a real NFL quarterback uh, in a real NFL offense. So may, maybe that's it. Maybe that, and I think if if you watch that game, none of us are defensive coordinators, but scheme looked a little simpler uh, than, than what they've been doing earlier in the season. And, and hopefully like last year, it's starting to click and they continue to improve week to week. So bring along that defense. Yeah. Maybe the thing they should bring along every week is the Bengals. <laughs> exactly. That's, yep. that's the way yep. to get us into a playoff run. <laughs> it's it's running and tackling. Run the football on offense and tackle well on defense, and good things happen for this team. So just keep that up. Of all the good things that happened on Monday night, keep that going. All right. How about a little Michael Alfredo from the Monday night game evaluating Kevin Stefanski's coaching decisions? Browns ran the ball 42 times. They ran a wildcat play for Chubb that went for a touchdown. They got aggressive with the two-point try after a Bengals penalty on an extra point. They got shitty tricky on the Amari Cooper pass play interception turd play. Is that why they call that in the huddle? Yes. (laughs) It might as well have been. Uh, And I'll tell you what, they did that wonderful thing where they scored at the end of the first half, turned around, got the ball at the beginning of the second half, and immediately scored again. So, Michael Alfredo last week. He's mostly Michael again. The only fault is that Cooper play like I, I the guy had an unbelievably great game and, and he kind of made fun of himself like it's really hard to throw the ball out of bounds. Stefanski was mostly Michael all this week, ex- except for that. Again, you don't need to dig that deep in that bag of tricks, man. Like you're, you're doing just fine without it. Leave it there. This is probably his most Michael game <laughs> of, of the season so far with with only just a small little pinch of Fredo in there on a play or two, right? Uh, clearly the, the cool water Cooper pass Cooper took the heat for that, but he didn't call the play, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, like that's, that's yeah. the Fredo part of it. Like, why are you, that, that's one of those things like type the text, read the text, delete the text. Don't send the text, right? All right. Stefanski call the play. Don't send the play in, call a better play and just run it up the middle. Like all things would have worked out better. Definitely mostly Michael this week, though. I I, I don't want to shit all over the guy. I, I mean, one one Fredo play a game. I, I think I could live with that. I disagree with that. I, I don't think we need any Fredo <laughs> plays. I don't think we ever need a the guy who's never thrown a pass in an NFL game trying it. I should not be throwing a pass in an NFL game. Neither should Amari Cooper. That's just the way it goes. Uh, but again, that was really the only glaring thing. I kind of felt like that was Fredo at the club in Cuba when he accidentally lets it slip that he was hanging off with like Johnny Olaf and then Michael can put the whole thing together. That's kind of what I felt like that play was. Otherwise, give credit where credit's due, man. They looked prepared uh, and they looked tougher than the Bengals that entire night. And a lot of that has to do with the head coach. So uh, mostly, almost totally, almost completely Michael in that game. Next week, enough of this happy horse shit. <laughs> the Browns go on the road against the six and three dolphins who survived a close one against the bears today. Now preseason, none of us believed in Tua apparently, cause we all picked the Browns to win this game. Anybody want to change that pick? No, no team's coming off a bye, man. I'm going to roll with it. I'm going to roll with it. I hope teams coming off a bye because yeah, right? we could be, we can be sitting here next week going, they had a whole like two weeks to prepare for this game. And they look like that. Cause that's what I feel could happen. I, I don't know. I, Gerber hates Tua and their receivers are really good. Can we, so good. can so we good. stack up there? Maybe I'm not going to change it because we have to win these games. So <laughs> like, there's no choice here. Like got to win this game. So no, I'm not changing. This is how I view it. The dolphins are winning too much. They've won three games in a row. 
They're due for a loss. Yeah. It's hard to win four games a row <laughs> yeah, in the NFL. I'm really glad they won the game this week. If they had lost to the Bears, I'd feel like, oh, man, they're going to beat the Browns. But, you know, they've won three in a row. It's time for them to lose one. I'm sticking with the Browns, and I think they're going to roll in two wins in a row, and we can really start the playoff hype then. <laughs> but for now, we're going to take a break, come back, go out on the road, and talk football, football, baseball, and basketball. Fellas, welcome back to our second segment. We'll head out on the road, start in the NFL with the trade deadline. Welcome to our first ever from the land switcheroo review, recapping moves at the trade <laughs> deadline. <laughs> so tell me what's going on in Chicago. They traded two key guys on their defense, Robert Quinn and Roquan Smith. So, okay, put a fork in the season. The Bears are stockpiling picks. Then they went out and traded picks to add Chase Claypool, a weapon on offense. The Bears seem to be in rebuild mode and win now mode at the same time. Who is the ad wizard that came up with that idea? What's the deal with the Bears? I'm actually going to commend the Bears organization here because I think they realized it's not 1986, man. Like we might have studs on defense, but does it matter? And it doesn't. It, it doesn't for them. Uh, and Justin Fields is playing better. But Justin Fields really doesn't have many weapons. Uh, and they may have overpaid just a titch for, for Claypool for, <laughs> for a, a second rounder. I commend them for realizing that, hey, like defense isn't going to win us anything. We've been building defense here literally since the 80s. So why not go out, stockpile some picks, get this kid some weapons, even if it's this season, uh, and see what happens from here. So I think it's ballsy what they did, but I think it hopefully pays off because it, with a good defense, nothing really mattered for them for however long they've had it. And they've had one for a while. So uh, good for them to say, well, f it. Let's just see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give them even more credit here. I think it's rebuild mode, not win now mode more than anything, but it's rebuild real quick because it's the NFL, right? So you just got Justin Fields, uh, a legit wide receiver who's still on his rookie contract. Like Chase Claypool is a young wide receiver. They they got that real quickly. They got the offensive side going and you you traded really good defensive players that were not on their rookie contracts. They were that's a lot of salary you were especially with Roquan Smith. Like that that's a stud linebacker that they probably looked at him like, "All right, we can't allocate all this money to that guy if we're going to really kind of push this youth movement and hope we're good next year, not five years from now. You can't do that in the NFL anymore. So I think their moves make sense, given that all of a sudden, as you guys had mentioned, Justin Fields seems to be getting better and better every week. Let's get him some weapons. Let's get him some proven weapons. So then in the draft, you get to get a bunch of defensive players on rookie contracts that just come up, come in there and, and hopefully plug those holes they just gave up. Okay, so I was way off. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> the three and five Rams and the three and six Packers did not make any moves at the trade deadline. Which of those teams is the biggest quiet quitter? Oh, our beloved Packers. You hate to see it. You hate to see it. I've been waiting all night to say it. <laughs> oh God, they lost to the Lions. <laughs> I'm sorry. What was the question? <laughs> Rams or Packers? Who who quiet? quit this season by not making a move i'm gonna say it's the packers for real they don't make moves and they have a future hall of fame 
franchise quarterback, uh, just just get some studs on offense. Like I, they should have traded the Browns everything for Kareem Hunt, even, and they didn't. Whereas the Rams, they might just be suffering the fall off the cliff fate of their old quarterback, and they didn't see that coming. And we talk about it every year. I think the Rams can live off that Super Bowl win for a few years. Yeah, uh, and I don't know if they have any draft capital anyway. To be honest, like then they they traded all for Ramsey uh, and, and whoever else. So. Uh, the Packers were, were quiet quitting, which let's be honest, I think they've been quiet quitting for a few years here yeah, right. just by telling Aaron Rodgers, like, hey, you're really great, but man, we're not gonna we're not gonna bring in anybody to help you out here. And a matter of fact, we're gonna ship off yeah, your best weapon. Uh, yeah, we're we're getting rid of that. But I guess they really tried to get Claypool. They tried to overpay mm-hmm. for him or something, it just didn't work out. So I, I don't I don't think they got a deal done, but I think at least according to like maybe Adam Scheffler or somebody else who's in the know, they were trying to get him some weapons. I guess I kind of feel like it might be the Rams because the NFC is so wide open and they have a title to defend. Don't you think they make a move to try to to make a run in the playoffs to try to have a shot at defending that title? And they didn't. And I think it goes to what like Phil was saying, like their quarterback is toast. I think I don't think Matthew Stafford has it anymore. And so they probably felt like there's not really a lot of points to making the move. Let's just finish the season and, you know, we'll start building again in the offseason. All right, well, enough switcheroo review. Why don't we talk about stuff happening on the field? NFL Week 10 storylines, upsets and almost upsets. Jets beat the Bills. Our Lions beat the Packers. The Buccaneers beat the Rams. Which one of those surprises was the biggest? I'm going to go with the Lions because, man, we needed a win. I'm going to say we because we all love this team and this franchise. And we said they need a statement game, even if the Packers suck. Traditionally, they're great. So uh, I'm going there because, hey, this can turn the whole season around. Get them rolling here, man. But, yeah, that's that's a huge win for, for our second favorite NFL organization. Here comes the Lions to the playoffs stories i love it i love it started right here tonight by chuck phil what do you think biggest surprise of those upsets i love the lions victory over the packers but the biggest surprise to me is the jets and and it's maybe just because i have i don't believe in the jets like i i just don't i can't i feel like the jets are the browns of the east coast and they're proving week in and week out now that they're not like they're they're a winning team this year and uh every time the jets win i'm surprised which I don't know what that says, but against the bills, like that is the, that was the one team I put on like the top line in the NFL this year, where there's the bills, the way they're playing, the people they have on that team. And then there's everyone else and someone's going to fall in and play the bills in the Super Bowl. And for an interdivision game for the bills to lose to the, that was surprising. Good on the jets, man. Like they're, they're, they might make that a race in that, in that division. That'd be awesome. I think it is a race. I mean, I know the well, Bills yeah. are the, the Bills are the best left. team, but I mean, I think the Jets actually hey, they beat the Bills. They can beat anybody, right? Mm-hmm. They beat the Browns. <laughs> yeah, they can beat the Browns. They can beat anybody. You um, could dodge going... a wrench. <laughs> uh, oh man. Oh, man. Uh, I'm going with the Lions beating the Packers just because as bad as the Packers have been playing, I didn't think they were this bad. And I watched a bunch of that game today, and they looked awful. Aaron Rodgers looked absolutely terrible. So I'm surprised the Lions were able to do that, but good on them to get a win. Love to see that. How about the almost upsets? Falcons almost beat the Chargers. Bears almost beat the Dolphins. Commanders almost beat the Vikings. 
which almost upset exposed a supposedly good team as maybe not being that good. I'm going to go with the Chargers. I think like they won, but yeah. barely. Yeah. Yep. And I thought coming into this year, I think I picked the Chargers to win the AFC. Like I thought they had like the heir apparent young gunslinger quarterback and you know, good wide receivers, decent running back, and, and and a good defense. I thought, all right, we're talking about a quarterback that makes everyone around him better. And they won, so you're going to move on. Great. They've got a good record, and they're in a, a competitive division. But I thought it would come down to the Chargers and Buffalo for the AFC, and the Chargers just looked beatable. And the Browns almost beat them. Almost. Remember that. <laughs> remember that. <laughs> Another almost upset. He shows the Chargers are no good. <laughs> um, I'm kind of with Phil here a little bit. Only the Chargers are missing their two two best receivers today, Mike Williams and uh, God, who's their number one. Both of them didn't play. But I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna go Commanders. I don't understand how the Commanders with. Is his name Tyler Taylor Heineke Hineke? Whatever it is, like they're trying to sell next season pass, like season tickets with his image on it. That shouldn't happen, man. <laughs> like that, that you're not you're not really an NFL quarterback. But I think this is going to be the Vikings mo for the rest of the year. Like nobody realizes they have one loss. They're kind of just like laying in the cut, doing what they need to do to win. But still, like you you would think they would beat up on a commander team and they didn't. So I, I'm not saying the Vikings are shit. They're not. That's a game that should have been, you know, a, a blowout. The name you were looking for for the Chargers is Keenan Allen, who Thank was probably you. taken by my yeah. fantasy team in like the second round and has <laughs> yeah. not played a single snap yeah, right. all season. I'm going with the Chargers only barely beating the Falcons as well. Because I thought the Chargers would be really good this year. I thought for sure multiple teams out of the AFC West would make the playoffs. And I think when you look at that division now, the only one you think is making the playoffs is the Chiefs. Uh, and I, I don't know if the Chargers, who can barely get by the Falcons, who are the beasts of the NFC South, <laughs> I don't think that that's a playoff team to me. Uh, so I think they're exposed as not being that great. But moving on, uh, our first ever on the wings of an eagle. Looking at our second favorite NFL team, the Philadelphia Eagles, their 8-0 remain undefeated after a 29-17 win on Thursday night against the Texans. What do you think about our new second favorite team, Chuck? I'm happy it's a W. I thought it should have been a bigger W against the Texans. But again, as a, a win's a win. Remember when the Browns almost beat the Falcons too? I was going to say, <laughs> I was going to say that. Back then when you were talking about the Falcons. But um, hey, 8-0 is 8-0, and it feels good to have a win each and every week as our side piece or whatever we're calling this this Eagle team. Not a side piece. There are oh. there are goose. There are co-pilot. Our co -pilot. goose. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so our goose is an eagle. I love it. Uh the um <laughs> I, I I think uh <laughs> I think Burke's going to call into the show right now and, and talk to us about birds. Chuck's right. It's, it's a W, man. You're 8-0. You are 8-0 in the NFL, and it keeps all those Miami Dolphin from 1972 from popping <laughs> their right. champagne for yeah. one more week. So That's right. let's keep it rolling. Fly, eagle, fly. <laughs> My favorite part about the game on Thursday night was with about three minutes left, the Texans were inside the 10 with a chance to score a touchdown. And all I could think about was like, oh shit, this is going to make it 29, 24. Then they can get the onside kick and they're still only going to have three minutes to score another <laughs> you're, touchdown. You're rooting to as a Browns game. fan. Yeah, 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 that's exactly yeah. what I realized. Turn, like, oh man. You got to turn off your Browns brain. 
<laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, of course. Like the Eagles got an interception like two plays later, and that was the end of the game. Uh, yeah, this is why we have the Philadelphia Eagles in our lives. Uh, fly, Eagles, fly. Looking forward to whoever they play next week. But let's move on from pro football to a little college football. Last week, we all agreed on who the top four should be in the playoffs, but the playoff committee disagreed with us. In a wild college football weekend, two of the top four playoff teams lost. Tennessee, who should not have been number one, lost to Georgia. Clemson, who should not have been number four, lost to Notre Dame. And just some icing on the cake, Alabama lost too. Scale of one to five, one being us, five being Boo Corrigan, who is a member of the playoff committee. Who is smarter, us or the committee? His name is Boo? His name is Boo. Great, Halloween nickname? Yeah, right. It's Halloween. (laughs) That's just his name. What the question is, who's I was just mesmerized by the name Boo. The question was, who's more right, us or Boo? Who's smarter, us or the committee? Probably, I guess, the, the committee because two of our, our four were in trouble this past week, right? Two of their four lost. <laughs> we're, we're equally shitty. How's that? Listen, I am convinced that we're smarter than the Browns front office. I'm convinced we're smarter than the playoff committee <laughs> in college football. That's just how. I'm going to identify this group. Like I, I, I think our, our brains are just in tune with what's really happening in the football landscape in America these days. I, I think the committee puts four teams up there and two of them lose in the very next week. What were the top four teams we put up there? I don't think two of them lost. I think it was Georgia, Ohio state, Tennessee, Michigan, Tennessee, Michigan. Tennessee Michigan. Yep. So we had, we went one and we went three and one. They went two and two. We're smarter. Thanks Phil. So yeah. who should be the top four in order this week? Georgia, Ohio State. Ooh, now it gets tricky. So you've got Michigan out there. Yeah, you've I'm got gonna put Michigan TCU at, at eight. No, I'm going to put Michigan at three. I think so. This is tough because I think Michigan TCU are three and four. So I guess I'm just rating it on power of the conference. I don't know. So Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan TCU. That's my my ranking. Listen, I think I think we talked about this early on. There's Georgia and there's everybody else. Uh, so Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, and even if Tennessee got beat, they still beat some really quality teams. But TCU is going to be there because they're in a in a power conference and they're undefeated. But for my LSU Tigers, man, with two losses, beating up some real teams. Yeah. Like they they might be a two loss team that that causes some problems at the end of the year, but I, I still think Tennessee's there at four just because I mean they beat Alabama they, every week they're being they they were beating a ranked team until you run into Georgia and, and guess what man anybody who runs into Georgia is probably going to lose. So I'm with you guys Georgia Ohio State Michigan and when you start talking about that fourth team you've got TCU eight and zero but the seventeenth ranked strength of schedule in the country Tennessee eight and one second strength of schedule and that yeah. LSU team has the fourth ranked strength of schedule and they just beat Bama. So, I mean, it, yeah. it's a lot closer for that four spot, but I kind of agree that if TCU is undefeated, I think you put them in against a one loss or a two loss team. So I'm going Ohio state, Georgia, Michigan, TCU. We'll see how it goes. Hey, you guys know that the world series was played last week. What? Actually like super <laughs> exciting. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> Phillies get an upset in game one. And then in game three, Bryce Harper identifies a tell, and all of a sudden they go nuts hitting home runs. Then the Astros come back and throw a combined no-hitter in game four. Then the Astros come back the next game, make two huge defensive plays to hold on and win game five. Then they get the one big hit they needed to take home the title in game six. So tell me this. 
after this series and after this World Series win for the Astros, are you ready to forgive and acknowledge how great this organization has been for the last few years? Hmm. Man, it's hard. But coming to a point of forgiveness in, in this life that we're given is often difficult. That's a tough path a lot of times, right? I think I might be moving down that path, and here's why. The jubilation on Dusty Baker's face made it cool for me. You like Dusty Baker. He wasn't involved in all that shit that was going on before, and they brought him in on purpose, and I couldn't root for the Astros, but that doesn't mean I have to root against Dusty Baker after he wins it, right? Like, that was that was good to see. So, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm moving towards forgiveness. I'm, I'm trying to be a better person, and I'm told I should forgive more, <laughs> and it's hard. <laughs> Thank you for taking this a lot deeper than I expected. Yeah, I love, I love baseball. I love baseball almost as much as I love you guys. No, not, that's not true. That's not true. It's not you can close. tell Denko's got the day off of work tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> the bourbon is flowing. <laughs> Chuck, what do you think? Have you forgiven the Astros ready to acknowledge that they're really good? No. Or you think like, they're still <laughs> cheating? Like, yeah. No, I don't think they're cheating. In, in fact, I have a, a friend who, who lives in Philly who texted me that, like, do you think they're cheating? I said, no, they're not. I can't for, I can't forgive that. But but then again, Major League Baseball's kind of been built on cheating for hundreds of years. But I still can't forgive that that Astros organization. I'm happy for Dusty Baker. I mean, I guess. How old is that guy? 80? Almost 80, yeah, right? Know. Yeah, right. Like, like good for them to bring. three years yeah. old. Like the, the, yeah, right. Like they're that's that's Jesus. That's my mom being the major. Yeah. <laughs> like, like wow. And that's I'd be amazing. really happy. I'd be yeah. happy if was my mom. Coached the Astros. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you could probably coach the White Sox. So let's get that done. <laughs> too young. <laughs> yeah. I I can't forgive them, but truth is, like Dodgers, who have all these huge teams. Nobody was a more complete team than an Astros team this year. And it was an exciting World Series that I sampled. I watched bits and pieces of games because I was rooting for the Phillies. But, you know, like Phil says, like he loves baseball. I love baseball, but I hate the Astros. But I got to tell you, that home run that that dude hit, like, I don't know if there's a better sound. Like, it literally sounded like a fucking shotgun blast yeah. uh, yesterday or whenever it was he hit that ball. Yeah. And I'm like, they're a really great team, man. And I guess I can appreciate that. Like, the pitching was great. They got timely hits when they needed to. They played good defense. They were the best team in Major League Baseball. Uh, so, uh, great. They're, yeah, fuck, man, they're a good organization. <laughs> they are good. Hell. And I still hate them. Like, like they're, they're, they're rivaling warriors. Like, I hate them that much, but fuck. Yeah, whatever, man. Boy, that was a lot of fun, man. We watched Chuck go through all of his emotions. Every emotion. Yeah. Like, 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 like in like, like 25 yeah. seconds, there, that was fantastic. <laughs> These are two teams we don't have a vested interest in. Mm -hmm. and it was not, the most emotional yeah. comment yeah. Yeah. on anything yeah. yet. They were really, really good, but it's strange to me that Justin Verlander is better now than he was 15 <laughs> years ago. So <laughs> I'm not letting him totally out. I'm not completely forgiving him, but no doubt at all that they were – a buzzsaw this year, man. They were just fantastic. All right, let's move on to a little NBA. Boy, the Nets are really looking to build a special culture there in Brooklyn, aren't they? <laughs> Last week, the Nets and head coach Steve Nash agreed to part ways after a 2-5 and five start. Now the team is most likely to hire Ime Uduka, who was the coach of the Boston Celtics until he was suspended for the season. Kyrie is out at least five games and $500,000 after tweeting out a link to a movie viewed as being anti-Semitic. They still have the Ben Simmons issue, maybe an unhappy Kevin Durant issue, but they're currently on a two-game win streak. Was all of this the shakeup this team needed, or are the Nets about to fade into Bolivian? <laughs> 
Um, I think this is exactly what Kevin Durant needed. Get rid of that punk ass guard coach. Nash is gone. Get rid of that punk ass guard guard. Kyrie is gone. And and Kevin Durant is just taking over and they've won two games in a row. It's amazing. The, the whole coaching thing's crazy to me though. This is a, this is a bad culture about to get worse, right? Like how is that guy even up for like, how can he apply for other jobs in the NBA? Like, that That's weird to me, but let's go KD. Let's see what you got. For what it's worth, the Celtics suspended him, not the NBA. Yeah, it wasn't. And the so the NBA. Celtics right, are probably right. thrilled. They're like, you yeah, want this absolutely. guy? Fuck yeah, yeah, take yeah. him. We don't oh, want to have to yeah. pay him anything. Yeah, absolutely. Chuck, what do you think? Where are the Nets headed? I think they're a dumpster fire wrapped in a turd with burnt hair on top of it. <laughs> uh, and I'm I'm okay with that. Like, like KD wanted what he wanted and he got it and it didn't work last year. Uh, and it's kind of carrying over to this year because I don't think he ever liked Steve Nash anyway. Uh, and Steve Nash was never really a head coach at any level until until he got there. So right. it sounds like that's who KD wanted, and then KD didn't really want it. Uh, I think there's a real difference between LeBron James and Kevin Durant. And I'm not talking on the court. I think they both like to control the organizations they're in. Only LeBron's usually way smarter at doing it than, than Kevin Durant is. <laughs> and LeBron James is an absolute leader on the court where KD does never, he never wants to be that guy. It's a mess uh, in two games. Good for them. And, and with the returning Ben Simmons at some point, uh, man, watch out. They might roll three or four. But other than that, man, like I, I'm all for them. Like I'll, I'll use, like you hate to see it, man. You like hate if, to see if, it. If, yeah. if, the, if the entire organization implodes, like uh, you hate to see it. It's either going to be really bad or we're about to witness a historic comeback by the yeah. Brooklyn Nets. I'm just happy to see something interesting happening finally with that organization that's been so steady and smooth <laughs> for the last 15 years. But on that one, fellas, we're going to close out this segment. We are going to take our final break. We'll come back off the field, talk movies and booze. Welcome back, fellas, to our final segment. We'll head off the field. And gentlemen, October is over. Clocks are turned back. Cooler temperatures are coming, and the holidays are right around the corner. That means two things. Alcohol consumption is about to go through its annual holiday spike, and we are about to enter the holiday movie release season. Welcome to Boozies and Movies, a from-the-land pre-holiday special previewing upcoming movie releases and pairing them with the best possible drinks for holiday hijinks. If you didn't follow that, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about some of the movies that are coming out in November and December, and then we're going to talk about holiday cocktails and pair them with the movies. Got it. Got All it, right. Yeah. So we're going to start with the best upcoming action movie sequel. Black Panther Wakanda Forever comes out on November 11th. That's obviously the sequel to Black Panther. Avatar The Way of the Water comes out on December 16th. It is the sequel to the 2009 blockbuster Avatar. I feel like we talked about this like two years ago that this movie was coming out. Now it's actually, it's finally ten, happened. 10 years ago, even. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. Which of those action movies are you looking most forward to seeing? Uh, Wakanda Forever, because I have yet to see one minute of Avatar and I have zero interest in it. I've never wanted to see that movie, so... I'm going with Wakanda forever, man. A hundred percent Wakanda forever for, for many reasons. I, I love the first black Panther movie and I am the comic book nerd of the group. Right. So I'm excited for this, this I'm going to the theater to see it. I can't wait. Uh, the avatar thing. The first movie was like groundbreaking a hundred years ago. 
or whenever it came out. <laughs> so, eighteen oh nine. You're right. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Um, absolutely groundbreaking when it came out. I remember seeing it. I'm like, wow, this is amazing what they're doing. And since then, every action movie has done what it did. So I, I'm not. I'll watch it, but I'm gonna go to the theater to see Wakanda Forever. You know, I didn't see the first Black Panther. And I'm not really a comic book guy. I, I know that those are good movies, and uh, I'm excited that it's coming out. Uh, Avatar, I don't know. I'm kind of with Phil. I saw it 15 years ago. It was cool, but I don't think I ever saw it twice. And I definitely don't need a 15-year-old sequel for it. So I'm going with neither as my <laughs> oh, answer. Oh, so how about your drink of choice for a blockbuster action movie? Are you going to go with Santa's Turnup, Maker's Mark, Sherry, and Benedictine, whatever that is, or uh, high school, yeah, <laughs> right? That's high school. Bangles. Apparently, yeah, it, goes the with, it goes with booze too, or <laughs> the Nuku Bulldog, which is Nuku bourbon cream, cold brew coffee, and espresso. Oh man, yeah. like I, the bulldog all the way. Like I, I everything you just said there. I mean, you had me at bourbon, of course, but after that, it's all about. The poor man's drug of caffeine, right? Like it's just more caffeine in bourbon. Uh, give me that. I like that. I want to do what you did and say neither. Neither. But I, but <laughs> I, I don't drink caffeine, so I have to go with whatever the uh, the first one was. The Santa's turnip. Yep. With the Benedictine. Delicious. All right. <laughs> All right. So while we're mostly looking forward, let's look back a little bit to the best all-time holiday disaster movie. Was it Christmas Twister? A 2012 TV movie about several severe tornadoes hitting Texas. Snowmageddon, a 2011 TV movie where an Alaskan town is in danger of destruction from a mystical snow globe that causes deadly disasters in the real world while simultaneously occurring in the globe. <laughs> Next one, The 12 Disasters of Christmas, a 2012 TV movie. A global cataclysm of tornadoes, volcanoes, and killer twinkle lights threaten a small mountain town during Christmas. Last one, Ice Spiders, 2007 oh. uh, TV movie. A top-secret government project has produced giant spiders, <laughs> and they have escaped, killing and eating everything in sight. Chuck, what was your favorite holiday disaster movie? It sounds like 2010 through 2012. We're just really ripe with bad TV. What network did any of these shitbergs run on? Sci-fi. Sci yeah, I was going to say it had to be sci-fi for Great. I'm, I'm going to go with the one that involved the snow globe and whatever happened in the snow globe happened in the real world. Snowmageddon. That's a snow good choice. Snowmageddon. So favorite Christmas disaster movie amongst those four. I have only one choice because I'm embarrassed. I'm not really embarrassed. I'm fine. I'll own it. I've seen the spider movie, the ice spider movie. Like whenever that came out, I know I watched that movie. So that's my favorite because I didn't see any of the other ones. What drink would you like to pair with your holiday disaster movie? Snowstorm, which is vodka, Kahlua, and coconut milk, or Pine Barrens, which is vodka, green, chartreuse. Lemon and simple syrup. I think the, the second one sounds pretty decent because I'm not a, I can only go so far with milk and I'm an almond milk guy. I can't do coconut milk if that's what you said it was. So I'm, I'm staying with the, did you say chartreuse? Green chartreuse? Delicious. That's, that's how it's spelled. Yeah. No, that you're right. You're right. Okay. I'm going to stick with, yeah, that one sounds great. I actually like both of these drink options. The first one kind of sounds like a white Russian or a Caucasian or however you'd like a to little refer bit, to yeah. it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I'm a big fan of those. So that I'm sure I would enjoy and not even know that there's coconut milk in it because it's 
vodka and Kahlua mostly, but the, the next option sounded like a four course meal. So I I'm willing to try that. Chuck really doesn't want either of them. Phil wants them no, both. I, I, I balance it out. Right. Yeah. 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 I didn't realize that Chuck's like tricky disposition was going to make these all complicated. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I'm going with snowstorm. Cause that seems like the appropriate drink for a holiday disaster movie for ice fighters. Right. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Best upcoming biopic, Weird, the Al Yankovic story, which has actually already been released, was I think released this weekend on Roku, which is a super strange place to release a movie. I think that's the only place it's going to be. Or I Want to Dance with Somebody, a Whitney Houston biopic that comes out on December 21st. Which one's better or which one do I want to watch more? Well, which one do you want to watch more? Weird. And I, I have a Roku, so I'm going to watch Weird. But both are interesting to me. Uh, I, here I am choosing both again. But uh, the better movie, probably Whitney Houston. The one I'm going to watch first is Daniel Ratcliffe, Don't Call Me Harry Potter in Weird. Well, I, I think it's the same, even though like all I've heard is that it is brutally awful. Uh, weird is supposed to be terrible apparently i can't like, wait yeah, i watched ice spiders <laughs> yeah, <that's true. laughs> uh, but but still um i'm more intrigued by uh weird owl so i, I even if it's not a real <laughs> like it's completely it's made, up, made up and, yeah. yeah yeah and i have three rokus in this house so i feel the need to watch it three times <laughs> What was the last movie? UHF was that? A yeah, UHF. Yeah, yeah, you remember Absolutely. that? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. fantastic. Yeah, uh, I bet you we thought it was fantastic because we were twelve. I bet in real <laughs> life it is not fantastic. <laughs> I'm gonna go with the Whitney Houston one. That's the, I didn't even know that was coming out until I was looking this stuff up. Uh, and you know, that's probably a really interesting story. I don't know anything about Whitney Houston, so I'm going with I want to dance with somebody now. Cocktails for a holiday biography. You going with? Pumpkin spice, white Russian, pumpkin spice, honey, vodka, Kahlua, and heavy cream. Can already see Chuck shaking his head. Mm. Or the fireside, vodka, maple syrup, rosemary, and grapefruit juice. I love maple syrup. I don't know how it goes with what was the last ingredient. That's where I went. Mm. Grapefruit juice. Grapefruit, grapefruit juice. juice kind of turns that one right. Yeah, if yeah. it was orange <laughs> juice, because I've had like crown maple and orange juice, and it was fantastic. Uh, I'm still gonna go that. Anytime you say maple syrup or syrup in general, directly put it into my veins. So I'm gonna go that way. And in pumpkin spice time of year, I've avoided everything pumpkin. I haven't had a single pumpkin spice anything. So I guess I'll fall on that sword and take the pumpkin spice white Russian. I've never been sure or never really understood what the big deal is with pumpkin spice. Mm. Like, I don't think I've ever had anything pumpkin spiced either. Uh, and I don't think I really want to. So I'm going with Chuck. I'm going with the maple syrup. I like grapefruit juice. And so that whoever created it must have come up with something to make the maple syrup and the grapefruit juice work together. So I'm going with a fireside for when I sit down to watch the Whitney Houston movie. All right, let's look backwards again. This is going to be a tough one. Favorite holiday comedy. 1983, Trading Places. 1989, Christmas Vacation. 1990, Home Alone. 2003, Elf. Did I miss anything? This is really hard for me. I have my Christmas season tradition is every year, every year, I have to watch Christmas Vacation. I have to watch Elf. And then after that, whatever I watch is just icing on that Christmas cookie. Um, you you probably miss some in terms of comedies. There's there's a ton out there, uh, but I do like Elf. But I, I Christmas Vacation to me is just where it's at. Like the, it's an old school 
it's an 80s comedy. There's a bunch of just irreverent jokes in it that I don't know would even make it into a movie these days. So I'm going with that one. Sugar's full, Clark. <laughs> uh, it was it was actually on today uh, in the more times. No, uh, Elf was on today. Uh, and that's where I'm heading. I, love I think, Elf. yeah, it, it is a fantastic movie that is never not funny. Um, and it gets better. I, I, it's countless times in Christmas vacation. I've seen more than probably any of the ones you listed, but elf is just so f***ing funny. It's so uh, and it's, and it's, it's, it's for everyone. Like I can sit there and watch it. Like, yeah, I, I assume when chip gets a little, you can't really watch Christmas vacation, uh, but elf is it. And, and James Conn's great in it. Everybody in that movie is great, but Will oh, yeah. Ferrell kind of kills it. Like just the, you know, like I, I stopped for like one second cause I was vacuuming and it was on and I completely reiterated every word of the scene. Like, you know, Santa's coming and like, this is the North Pole. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Like it's, it's just so like sophomoric and stupid that uh, I'm a big fan of it. I think Elf might be the perfect Christmas cow. It's so good. Yeah. Hard to argue with Elf, but I'm going with Christmas Vacation for the same reason that Phil does. Christmas Vacation is one of our Christmas traditions. It is on. It's been in like my wife's family since she was a kid. You watch Christmas Vacation every single Christmas. If Elf comes on, I'll watch it. It's hilarious. It's great. I love it. Trading Places almost doesn't feel necessarily like a Christmas movie, even though it takes place like during Christmas. Sleeping a little bit on Home Alone. Home Alone, probably yeah, the biggest, yeah. biggest yeah. of all the Christmas yeah. movies, right? But yeah. Christmas Vacation, I keep coming back to every single year. Uh, and that one's really good. So. I'm going with Christmas Vacation as well. Best booze for a classic holiday funny time. Try to keep up with this one. Spiked hot chocolate, hot chocolate, and bourbon. Next one, cure for the Chicago cold. Bourbon, Aperol, lemon juice, hot tea. So the cure for the Chicago cold is a hot one. Which of those sounds best? Uh, malt liquor would sound best <laughs> with the one of the comedies like, yeah. yes yeah uh but uh, but I, I would go with the first bourbon i'm fine with but i'm interested i've spiked hot chocolate sounds actually pretty good I, I assume those marshmallows just melt immediately when the bourbon hits it so uh, i'm gonna go with the first one though uh, malt liquor is what i really want to drink during the holidays not on the list anywhere chuck oh not a, not a single pairing with malt liquor for uh for our list. that's on you man you're the one who put yeah. this together when we, when we do the craft malt that, liquor we will you. have a holiday the holiday craft malt oh liquor. yeah 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 for sure phil what about you spiked hot chocolate or cure for the chicago cold i love that both are based in bourbon so there's no wrong answer here but i I'll be honest, I've never put bourbon in hot chocolate, so yeah. I'm intrigued by that. Like, that sounds like it might be absolutely delicious. So uh, give me the spiked hot chocolate. I think I'm going to go for cure for the Chicago cold just because I don't think I've ever really had, like, a hot bourbon drink before. Uh, and it's wintry and it's cold outside, and so, hey, why not? Give that one a shot. Moving on, which of these upcoming Christmas movies do you want to see the most? Spirited. A new spin on the Ghost of Christmas Present with Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds' music and dancing, or A Christmas Story Christmas, the sequel to A Christmas Story. It'd be weird to say this, but I'm going spirited. I've I watched the preview. I watched it, and then I saw it during the day, and I showed it to my wife. My wife's a big musical fan, so I know at any point, like we are watching this movie. But it looks really well done, and like if. Will Ferrell can recapture anything from like 10 to 15 years ago in this movie, then I'm all, and Reynolds is going to be great. So, uh, and the fact that they're singing and dancing, 
Uh, I'm I'm gonna be into that. I really want to see this movie. The the Christmas story, Christmas story looks okay, and I'm sure I'll watch it. But Spirited, I think, is gonna leave me really like tingly for the holidays. Like I'm gonna be super into it. So Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds are in this musical. Yeah, that's amazing. There's no. There's yeah, no other them. answer. It's, it's there, is, there, is no, there is no <laughs> other answer here. That That is it. Spirited is the answer. Ryan Reynolds and Will Ferrell in a musical. I don't even care if it's not about Christmas. Like that That's the movie I want to see. The other one's intriguing to me, but we just talked about Avatar. And do we need a sequel to a movie that came out 25 years ago? Probably not. Um, so give me Spirited every day. It's something when three Cleveland guys agree that the Christmas movie they want to see is not the sequel to a Christmas story, but I'm with Mm -hmm. you again. I I will absolutely watch a Christmas story Christmas. No doubt about that. I'm, I want to know what has happened to Ralphie, I suppose, but um, I like musicals too. Uh, I like Will Ferrell. I like Ryan Reynolds. That looks like a good one. So your drink of choice for your Christmas movie, upgraded eggnog. You need a whole egg, some cognac and some grated nutmeg (laughs) or Aunt Clara's Pink Bunny Pajamas, Bespoke Bourbon Cream, Citrus Gin, and Cranberry Bitters. Wow. The second one, because I heard bourbon. Uh, that's it. What was the name of the second one? Aunt Clara's Pink Bunny Pajamas. I want to see what's I want to see. Story. What, yeah, I want to see what's under those pajamas. So I'm going with that one. <laughs> I don't think that's how it works. Aunt Clara. Uh, it can be. Secret, secretly hot. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going with upgraded eggnog, whole egg and cognac. You got me. Uh, you fighting Apollo on Sunday? <laughs> <laughs> You don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's why I asked. <laughs> All right. Best upcoming holiday movie for smart people. Uh, the Fablemans, which is Steven Spielberg telling his story of growing up and learning to love making movie- movies through a character growing up in 1950s California. So it's like a biography, but it's not about him. He's like created a character to kind of tell his story through. Uh, the other one is Goodnight Opie a documentary about the NASA Mars rover opportunity and the planned three-month mission that lasted 15 years. Which one of those would you be interested in seeing? I like the procrastination. I, li- I like the I like the 15-year, three-month deal. Like, that's pretty cool. We had a good idea. It took us longer. <laughs> you know, bear with us. No, 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 no. no the, they thought the mission would only last three months and the rover lasted for 15 years. So it's a- That's the yeah, three-month, 15-year right. like, thing. Like it's awesome that it's lasted 15 years. Yeah. I'm really interested in, in all of space exploration. So I guess I would lean towards that, but I, I I don't really understand the whole Spielberg thing. That might be pretty interesting. Like he created a character to explain his growth in it's, he's basically telling his story, but he's not, it's not a biography, but it's about a little kid who, you know, falls in love with making movies in nineteen fifties California, just like he did. Yeah, I will watch both of these for sure. But exploring space is pretty cool. I'll lean towards that one. Yeah, it sounded like Spielberg created a character to jerk himself off while he made a movie about himself. <laughs> I'm good there, man. Like I'm not. Didn't he yeah, already do like, that with ET? Was yeah, that ET? No, don't mention All ET. Right, Grinch, jeez. No, Where's I'm just saying, like it's it there, sounds buddy. self-masturbatory. Like, hey, look at me, but I can't say it through my own mouth. So I have to create somebody else. Uh, I'm more interested in the space thing that like, what an amazing accomplishment that thing Rover has been. Uh, So I'm very much interested in that instead of Steven Spielberg telling me his story through somebody else. Okay. Well, I'm going to go with Goodnight Opie too, because it's a really cool story about space. And I like that too. 
I'm still interested in the Steven Spielberg thing. Jeez. <laughs> Right, so we'll I, watch I would actually, <laughs> I would actually recommend if you get a chance in the next couple of days, go check out the trailer for Goodnight Opie. It, it it looks like a much better movie than I thought they would be able to make about something like this. So it looks pretty cool. But all right, smart person drinks: cran spice martini, vodka, cranberry juice, vanilla spice syrup, or the winter white cosmopolitan. Cointreau, vodka, lime juice, and white cranberry juice. Uh, the first one. Because I'm on my period. <laughs> I was about to ask if you were on your period. Like, are you on your period? <laughs> yep. What? The cranberry juice? Yeah. What are you on yep. your period? <laughs> I'm just happy we got the departed working in here yep. some, some way. Another fantastic um, Christmas movie. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Between those two, since in previous questions I chose both, I'm going to choose neither. Neither. I'm not a martini or cosmopolitan guy, so I'm going neither on that one as well. All right. Which one of these are you most looking forward to seeing on Lifetime this Christmas season? <laughs> Well-suited for Christmas. A fashion designer competes to create a tuxedo for one of the city's most eligible bachelors. As she begins to unthread his well-spun public image, they find themselves falling in love. Ooh. <laughs> Next one. Reindeer Games Homecoming. Mackenzie is a brilliant, competitive, crossword puzzle-loving biology teacher who recently lost her father, who was the heart of the town's holiday fundraising tradition, the Reindeer Games. Her world is rocked when her high school crush and fading Hollywood star returns to town for the games and they find themselves falling in love. Last one, stepping in the holidays. Billy, a former Broadway star, returns to his hometown encounters charismatic dance instructor Ray, who is planning a fundraiser to raise money to take her class to a Broadway show. Billy offers to help, the collaboration clicks, and they find themselves falling in love. Which one of these are you most looking forward to seeing? <laughs> I'm so glad you came to me first. Is, is, uh, what was the second one? Reindeer Games? Reindeer Games Homecoming. Uh, that one. That one, because my first crush in life was a girl by the name of Mackenzie. I, was, I right. think I was in like hey. first grade. First crush, and yeah, Reindeer Games Homecoming. All of them equally, and I'm going to tell you why. Since the day after Halloween, Hallmark and Lifetime Christmas movies have been on in my house, and my favorite thing to do is not only watch them, but is to attack the plot holes and the things that happen in these movies that are so way out there uh, with my wife. Like we, we somewhat enjoy these films, but it's even more fun going like, who wrote this crap? How did this person get this acting job? So I am into all of them. So I will watch every one of them equally. That's awesome. I like how all of them involve uh, fundraisers, charity, charitable things, and then some sort of like returning home or okay. leaving home or something like that. And then, of course, everybody's falling in love. So I will watch none. I will watch none of these movies. <laughs> it's just the same movie with different characters and like different settings. I don't think I'm interested. All right. Best drink for a lifetime holiday binge. Frostbite. Blanco tequila, white chocolate liqueur, creme de menthe, and cream. A berry white Christmas, which is nice. spiced rum, cranberry preserves, lime an juice. An O.E.? Say O.E. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Vanilla orgate. O-R-G-E-A-T. No idea what that word means. Last one, cyanide. Cyanide? <laughs> <laughs> Chuck, what are you pairing? What are you and Whitney throwing back during your... 
next 60 days of lifetime movie binging you had me at barry white if his voice is somehow coming out of the drink while, while i'm chugging it down like if it's the deepest voice in the history of humanity uh i'm in, i'm into barry white Oh, you said tequila in the first one, though. There, yeah, yeah, there was I mean, tequila in the first one. Te- I, the tequila was tempting, but then Barry White and a crackling fire and a lifetime movie. Yeah, I mean, come on, man. Like <laughs> that's that's the answer. Give me the Barry White. Yeah, yeah. I think there's only one right answer, and it's Barry White. Uh, so that's it, fellas. Enjoy the start of the holidays. The start of acceptable drinking six days a week season and uh you know hollywood coming out with their their biggest movies to close out the year but why don't we close out the show we'll take a quick stop in the worst fantasy league ever gerber trade report press off my success from last week i tried to make a trade with tersic um i wanted to get an eagle on my team because they're our new favorite team or second favorite team so i offered tersic uh mostert tyler boyd and the number one ranked dallas defense for A.J. Brown, Jonathan Taylor, and the Bills defense. I also offered him a $25 gift card to Supercuts uh, because he's had the same haircut since I met him when we were five. And I thought that he'd probably get two cuts out of that. Um, All I got was a rejection. No text, no counter, no response of any kind. Um, It was harsh. It was cold. It was mean. I expected more from my oldest friend in the world. Uh, Anyway, no trade done this week. All right, so who's your MF, MV, FP, for this week my gm i don't even know my gm's name but my gm is my mf mvp because since since that trade with you gerbs i'm two and oh i'm making a comeback nice i'm not starting any of the players I've traded <laughs> and i've won two games in a row can i have them back <laughs> sure i'm not using them <laughs> they're all hurt <laughs> but my gm is the mf mvp so far it was it was a bad week for buys for me. I had a bunch of dudes on buys and I didn't realize it until it was too late. And I had a bunch of guys on my bench who played Thursday night who could have plugged those holes. But my dumbass put a running back in uh, who had an O next to his name. Like I knew he wasn't playing today, but I figured I'll put him in there. But still, uh, I might win this week because of Joe Mixon. I think yeah. he had 12 touchdowns today. Yeah, I'm did. pretty sure in 800 <laughs> yeah. yards rushing. So uh, he is my, my MF MVP this week. You already won. You were playing me. Oh, you, it, I, I don't know if you have somebody Monday night. Maybe you have somebody no, tomorrow. No, no, no. Um, my MF MVFP is also Joe Mixon. He had 78 points today for your team. <laughs> he taught my squad some much needed humility. Uh, <laughs> that was ridiculous. He scored five touchdowns. I'm actually surprised he only had 78 points. Yeah, me too. What yeah, a right. mess. Yeah. All right, fellas, we're out of time. I am out of questions for now. And... We just did the whole show without mentioning that Dolly Parton was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame over the weekend. With that news, that attention-loving Dolly once again overshadowed the career <laughs> accomplishments of fellow inductee Duran Duran. Yes. I hope you guys yeah. have a great week, <laughs> and let's get together and do this real soon. Absolutely. Two groups and acts who should neither be in the Hall of Fame, but hungry like the wolf. They ran a wild cat. They ran a wild key guys on their defense. Robert Quinn and Rokon 
Robert Quinn and Roquan Smith exposed a supposedly good team as maybe not being that good. So let me get this straight. So it's a team that lost that we thought was good, but maybe they're not? No, it's a team that won, but they didn't do it by much. And so you <laughs> okay. know that they're not really that good. Okay. Awesome. Uh <laughs> Well, listen, no, I understand. Like you I get it. I get like it. a good team is going to yeah, yeah, yeah. wail on a shitty team. And, the, and the, these are three examples of good I just teams wanna, that did not yeah, wail no, on I, shitty teams. I get it. Like, I, I think the this answer question there is, was actually pretty clear. I think you're it is very right clear. There. <laughs> it's, it's very clear. I, I was, I actually understood. No the more first questions time. for you. Yeah, I just, I understood the first time. I just wanted to, you know, confirmation on that. Possible drinks for holiday hijinks. Wow. One take, motherfucker. Got through all of that. There's a lot of a lot yeah, of rhyming a lot in there of, yeah. and some yeah. other shit. Yeah. One take. Goddamn wow. professional. So <laughs> favorite holiday comedy. 1993, Trading Places. I'm sorry. Mm. 1983. Bespoke bourbon cream, citrus gin, and cranberry brit. <laughs> Coin, I don't even know how to say this one. How do you, how do you say this? Cointro? Cointro? Is that C O I N T R E A U? What is uh, that? Uh, uh, say it, spell it again. Spell it again. C O I N T R E A U. Cointro. Cointro? I don't Quantro. know. <clears throat> All right. Mackenzie is a brilliant, competitive, crossword puzzle-loving biology teacher who recently. <laughs> <laughs> How did these things get greenlit? Yep. How did they get green, <laughs> man? Um, all right. <clears throat>
those dudes liked each other like we like each other. Yeah. Like, I would appreciate if you guys and could I, be playing uh, some spring. I was about to say, I am, I'm not going to be able to produce that kind of moment. So like, what am I going to be doing? Yeah. What am I going to be doing bedside? <laughs> not. <laughs> <laughs> What's the best possible move the Cavs can make to trade for LeBron right now? What do you guys think? I want this for Tim. <laughs> well, we we need a small forward, so it's it is a yeah. position of need, yeah. right? Yeah. I would package. So do you package? Yeah, a Kuro and Jetty. <laughs> Just right a Kuro, straight a up. Yeah, a Kuro, <laughs> Jetty, and man, I. You guys the, are the, missing the. You're missing the obvious one. Kevin loves on an expiring contract, man. You put like love no, and man, like can't do that to Kevin. Like, love. I would never do that. Downtown Juju Dean. there would be bad. It would be bad. <laughs> the team's chemistry is about Kevin Love coming off the bench. Well, but you bring in another old guy. You bring in LeBron to be the if grandpa LeBron for all these young agree guys. To come off the bench, I'm all in, man. If like if LeBron would agree <laughs> to come off the bench, I am all no. in on this trade. You there think is he's no come way off the that bench? dude. No. no, that dude's coming Never. in. He's calling plays. Oh, yes. our coach fired. He's going right. to score 27 points a night, and they're going to lose, just like we just yeah. beat the Lakers. If he, could I'm be just in, saying, when we were in that text chat, like. He can help this team. Like he's still a really great NBA player, and I love it. Like, yeah. no man, let's just do it on our own. Like, uh, uh, okay, like you don't want a guy who is that great to play on this team. I'm not saying that it would ever happen, but the fact that people are like, no man, like this is org- so. No, man. Remember when you traded for a superstar and people were like, no, he's no good, and now I'll have this don't mess with our his- chemistry, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, don't mess yeah. with our chemistry. So I, I think know, what. Not that LeBron James, not not only should he not come off the bench or agree to, but that he's a starting small forward in the NBA still at whatever really his good. age is, right? Yeah, he's really good. Yeah, still really good. But if if he had the right, if he had the right outlook on what this Cavs team is about and what he could give to it, it could be something special. Like if he came in here and said, "Listen, I don't give a shit if I average ten points a game. I, I'm going to get this ball to people in places." They've never seen the yeah. ball before. Yeah. And, and seven people on this roster are going to score double figures every game, including myself. Okay. Yeah. But, yeah. So but you're talking LeBron, me into it, Phil. Well, this is the big question. Is LeBron at that place mentally? Age-wise, we know he's there just based on history, right? But mentally, that dude, is he's an, he still thinks he's an alpha male in the NBA, I think. It's LeBron James. He has no reason not to. He has no reason not to, right? Yeah. But on this Cavs team, he shouldn't be the first option if he was on the roster. It's it's love in a coro and like and like a couple of like second round picks a couple years down the road because the Lakers have like no picks. Give us LeBron. That's the deal. Does, does they, they want that expiring the money contract? doesn't work and maybe, though, it... um, that's the weird thing about the NBA. Yeah, the NBA, the, the money, maybe has the money to... doesn't work. Well, like, listen, I'm not getting that far into it. How much is but, Raul Neto um... making? <laughs> no, we're not league minimum. Neto. We need him. Jake Taylor, need Jake Taylor, <laughs> <laughs> got uniforms and everything. <laughs> <laughs> but then we could do the thing where the Lakers buy love out. And he becomes oh, a free agent right again this year. And then, and then we he sign comes him right yeah. back. Comes right back. Yes. And we win yeah. a championship. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. And the same with like Kyrie. We're heading we with bring this. Kyrie in. 
What? what? Oh, God. <laughs> oh God! Since we're since we're all in this pipe dream together, I, I want to go back to the question that you asked, Gerb. If he's on this roster, if LeBron James is on this roster, who do you want taking that shot to win a game? Because if it's me, it's LeBron James. I don't care how old yeah. he is. How many shots has he knocked down in that arena to win games or push a series or something? Like it, it's that dude. There's no yeah. better. Sh- I, I would. Man, I don't know. It w- it's fun to think about, but I still think he's he's a more than competent NBA player, man. It's not like he's it's not like he's sixty years old and has trouble no. getting up and down the court. No. Like he's he's, he's an not animal, like final man. year Kareem or something like yeah, that, right? right? right Who's right. like who you know is like yeah. washed. He's yeah. not even he's not even Wizards Jordan, man. Like he's not even That's Wizards true. Jordan. Yeah. Right. Like no, no, not even close. No. Yeah. I um, still think LeBron is like one of the top, like what, like seven, eight. Guys I'm with in you. The NBA. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, I feel like everybody's on the Dusty Baker thing. Like that dude has been Forever. involved with Major League Baseball for like 50 years. Oh Probably man, more yeah. Than that. yeah, yeah. How many toothpicks do you think he's gone through? I love that he manages with batting gloves on. He he manages yeah. with batting like gloves. He's gonna, like he's gonna insert himself in the game. He's gonna, gonna go take ball. a hack. I might go hit. I might go hit. Still the most. I mean, we're both. We're all, we're all baseball guys, but I don't understand why they wear uniform. Like, come the on, man, like, you're, like again, like, should my mom be wearing a major league baseball uniform at seventy three? Why is Dusty Baker wearing one? You've seen, yeah, you've seen guys who know they can't pull off the uniform anymore. Yeah, wear like the like yeah, the hoodie, right, yeah. right yeah. like the hoodie yeah, or the perfect. windbreaker. But they still have the pants. Yeah, yeah. He's probably yeah. they're probably like, wearing a cup on, too. Yeah, right. like, get out of those, man. Like, what? <laughs> what are we doing? Just give them the full the full gear, like the yeah. the, the windbreaker top and the yes. windbreaker pants. Yeah. Let them be relaxed. Little, so little, that's what, what they should be wearing. You're not recommending they do like suits or something no, no, no. like that. No, yeah, Sandy so Alomar like, should like be wearing a dope, suit what, as the first. What did we talk about? The, the, <laughs> What was the the dopamine the dopamine dress? Yeah, what it was? was talking yeah, yeah, about. Yeah. Yes, that's yeah. what it should be. It's should be baseball, that. man. Yeah. It's it's baseball, yeah. Ray. Yeah. It's baseball. As long as they have a hat on, you're all right. Yeah, put your hat on and right. a sweatsuit. Like that's yeah. cool. That's fine. Well, I'm sure there's like photos we can find where like Connie Mack was coaching like the Philadelphia Athletics in like a full wool oh, suit. I was going to say like he's yeah. 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 eight out. He's he wearing three stink. piece wool suits. Yeah, stinks so bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hungry, that's right like, hungry the like the wolf what else go ahead name another duran duran song i can't um, uh girls on film oh yeah oh yeah that's a good one ordinary yeah. world was a good song that's a good one ordinary too, world yeah. was like later yeah like, duran duran was like my oldest my older brother's like favorite band when oh, we yeah. were like kids yeah so we we had like seven and the ragged tiger was one of their albums wow and, uh, <laughs> i can't think of the the way the, they came out with a new one i i can picture the video in my mind right now but i can't think of the name of the song or it might be the reflex yeah reflex is reflex for sure. yeah that's da, da, da. yeah yeah duran duran <laughs> What do you mean I'm funny? Funny like a clown? You didn't use you?